Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The kick ahead, and Duffy's chasing it. The bounce sits up. The Dragons are steamrolling the week to the finals. Inside the last 10 seconds of the game, St. George Illawarra to the death, trying. Brown goes to the air. Going back is Mabel, leaping high and taking it. Oh, if you thought it was weird the last couple of weeks without Jack Clifton, who is still overseas, uh, having a well-earned break, having a holiday with his beautiful wife. Gets a little bit weirder tonight. Curtis Woodward in the chair, riding solo. So with Dean Messeter from the Rugby League Roast, uh, he's off gallivanting with the family. How dare him? He's off with the family having a good time. Uh, and we asked a couple of different people, including uh, a good friend of mine who obviously you guys would know as uh, Luke Potter from down uh, Wollongong Way, who's a, a big Dragons fan and obviously has plenty to say about the Dragons, not just as a Dragons fan, but obviously uh, has worked with the club and um, obviously down in the media uh, down there in Wollongong as well. So it doesn't matter. We'll get through this tonight. We're going to do things a little bit differently as well. And and uh, I guess as a little bit of a co-host tonight, unofficially, we're going to throw this over to you as well. So whether you're listening tonight at home, in the car tomorrow, on the train, going to work tomorrow, we're going to throw in some fan corner questions throughout the night and kind of make you guys an official or an unofficial, whatever you like, co-host of the Red V podcast. Like I said, my name is Curtis Woodward. This is episode 169 of the Red V podcast. Plenty to get through. News and updates. We'll go back over the Dragons' 20-18 to 18 loss to the Titans on the Gold Coast. That was very frustrating for Dragons fans. The team announcement, and we've got plenty to say about that. Preview this weekend. The Raiders in Canberra, and a Who Am I as well. And we'll finish with a couple more fan corner questions. Thanks for listening, and uh, like I said, it is a little bit different this week uh, compared to the last few weeks, and of course, the, the thousand episodes you listened to before, but uh, thanks for listening if you are. We'll get plenty of fan corner questions in through the night. Like I said, my name is Curtis Woodward. Let's get stuck in. It's episode 169 of the Red V Podcast. Yeah, the big, the big one this week, uh, or in the last couple of days, last 24 hours, the Dragons meet with player agent George Mimis, who obviously has a, a fair stake in the game. A um, lot of quality uh, players and coaches and whatnot on his books. This comes from Michael Shamus in the Sydney Morning Herald. Uh, St. George Illawarra have held a preliminary, a preliminary meeting with the agent of three potential coaching candidates for the Dragons job in 2024. With the Dragons' top job still up for grabs next year, an incumbent coach, Anthony Griffin, replying for his job through performances, the Dragons have opened a line of communication with one of the NRL's leading agents, George Mimis. 
Mimus represents, and I've gone too far, I'll go back up a little bit here. Mimus represents the man largely considered the frontrunner for the job, Sydney Roosters assistant coach and former Dragon, Jason Riles, as well as former Dragons premiership winning captain, Ben Hornby. Another coach in the Mimus stable is two-time premiership winning coach, Des Hasler, who Phil Gould said was the right fit for the Dragons when discussing the issues on Nines 100% footy on Monday night. Don't know about that. We'll get to that in a second. Sources with knowledge of discussions, talking on the condition of anonymity due to the confidential nature of conversations, uh, told the Herald that the Dragons did not inquire about one particular coach, but were keen to gauge whether Mimus's clients would be interested in inter uh, interviewing for the job. The Dragons have not met with any coaches, yet anyway. The club indicated to Mimus that they would spend the next month assessing the performances of the team under Griffin before determining a course of action. Well, I reckon there's already a course of action happening that we just don't know about yet. With the Dragons falling short against the Titans on the Gold Coast on Sunday, the team has just had two wins from their first five games of the season, despite a friendly draw to open 2023. Uh, St. George Illawarra play the Raiders, Roosters, Bulldogs, West Tigers over the next month, scoring off against one current top eight team during that period. While the draw is friendly to coach Griffin, losses to some of the lesser teams in the competition will almost guarantee the club moves in a different direction in 2024. We've been saying this on the uh, the Red V podcast long before I, I started uh, being a co-host with Jack, the problem with the Dragons is they could be up one week, you know, it could be Anzac Day against the Roosters and then they fall apart the next week against a a, a cellar dweller and, you know, defeats the purpose of, of the victory uh, the week before. Uh, we go on here. Roll's coaching resume includes working as an assistant to Craig Bellamy at the Storm and education under Eddie Jones with the English Rugby Union team and now a stint as Tread Robinson's right-hand man at the Roosters. He remains contracted to the Roosters and insistent for next year. Any move, whether it be the Dragons or the likely vacant Melbourne Storm job, would be a result of a transparent process between Riles and the Tricolours. Hornby has also served as an apprentice at the Dragons under Paul McGregor before moving on to South Sydney, where he has worked with Wayne Bennett and Jason Demetrio. The Herald understands Hornby is keen to meet with the club about taking on the role for next year. The other coach members represents is Hasler, who was last year sacked from his post at Manly. Uh, da, da, da. Skipper Ben Hunt, um, they finished the, the story. Skipper Ben Hunt has made it clear his preference is for Griffin to remain. Uh, and his quote at the end of the story, if we get four or five weeks down the road and we start again, and he says with a new coach, it will set the club back a couple of years. Hunt told the Herald over the weekend. That's what I believe we need to ride this out. Well, uh, we'll get to that a little bit later too about uh, Ben Hunt and his loyalty to Anthony Griffin. Like I said, it would be uh, remiss of me to not remind you, a little bit different this week, hosting the show by myself. So like I said at the top of the, the episode, fan question. Fan question from Top Red. With the news of contacting Riles, Hornby and Hasler, who would you guys prefer as the new coach and why? Uh, my answer flat out is Jason Riles. He is the the only runner for me, not just the front runner, the only runner for me. I, and I know Gus Gould is tipping Dez. But I like that Rolls understands the area and is ready to coach first grade. He's been ready for a while. He's been an understudy, like it said in the story, at the Storm and now the Roosters. Uh, forget Rolls played for the Dragons. That means nothing. He is a fresh start. Uh, Rolls also is young enough to, to, to understand the younger player and to help those developing Dragons kids and understand the situation. So uh, for, for that and that alone, which we, we've spoken about a lot on this podcast, particularly Jack as well, the, the point that the, the the new coach needs to understand the systems and, and the youngsters in the team. I mean, does Des Hasler, does is, does he understand the, the, the modern player? I mean, yeah, when he, when he won a comp at Manly in 2011, he had some youngsters there, but that was a completely different 
generation of the game. Completely different era. Um, where you could kind of coach how you wanted it, and, and that's how it was. But it's a little bit different now. I think with Hasler as well, for all his accomplishments, there is a stigma attached to, to Hasler at how he has handled the salary cap at previous clubs. The Dragons don't need that. Uh, imagine if things go south very quickly and, and then they're left again with some back-ended contracts and stuff like that. We've seen it. I, I, we saw it with, with, with other coaches and Griffin as well. To repeat the past is uh, the Dragons, they can't afford to do it. They cannot be stuck with some players that, that fans, you know, question and they raise their eyebrows and all of a sudden it doesn't work out with Hasler and then the Dragons are stuck with this this salary cap that they are still trying to clean up from, from previous coaches. Uh, ben Hunt wants the club to keep Griffin. There's no surprises there. But the Dragons are in the same situation they were last year or the year before. It's not like the Dragons, this is their, their, the first time they've been here. So for Ben Hunt to say that they're going to go back a couple of years I mean, that's a, that's a big call because the Dragons have been going nowhere for a long time. I, I think there is an ex- expectation for change. And I think the club has to deliver to that that to the fans and the paid-up members. that There is an expectation for change at the club. And the nucleus is that is, is on the back of the young players coming through. And like I said in previous podcasts, yeah, it was a disappointing loss to the Titans. They will learn from that because they are such a young team still trying to work out who they are. But when, they, when they're up and playing good football, they win. When they get in a tight tussle that's you know that, that that's when they're you know there should be some some worry because they are still trying to work out who they are as an identity um Rolls is under contract uh like i said in the story from shamus uh under contract for another year but look let, let's be serious trent robinson will not stand in jason Rolls's way uh much like trent robinson did with craig fitzgibbon when when fitzgibbon was announced as the sharks coach um, obviously, we weren't uh, we're not savvy to what happened behind closed doors, but it looked very amicable, uh, you know, pretty cool, uh, and and very easy transition for for Fitzgibbon to leave the Roosters. And Robinson will do the same thing because Robinson's not going anywhere at the Roosters. Robinson will be the coach of the Roosters for the next thousand years. So all he can do is is um, develop the coaches underneath him as best he can. And when they're ready to coach somewhere else, then so be it. That's that's the nature of the job. So if, if Jason Rolls wants to coach the Dragons, it's not on, it, it won't be on the Dragons to say, okay, Jason, come and present a PowerPoint or give us a 10-year plan. I think it'll, it'll have to go both ways and the Dragons will have to show Jason Rolls that they want him as well. So we'd like to get your feedback on that. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, The Red V Podcast. It's episode 169 with Curtis Woodward. The Dragons seek cap relief for the inactive Cody Ramsey. And we all know about this. I mean, so much um, has been said and how unfortunate it is for Cody Ramsey. Um, it, it's devastating for him. He was coming along in flying colors last year uh, to the point where uh, many people had someone else playing fullback, um, i.e. Tyrrell Sloan. And then, you know, rugby league finds a way and, and another kid called Cody Ramsey, uh, Ramsey comes in when the Dragons were struggling uh, and started to perform and impress at fullback and he, to the point where he would have started the year fit and firing as the Dragons' first-choice fullback. Unfortunately, many, many um, health concerns off the field, several surgeries. Apparently, he's back at training trying to help the club, but he will not play first grade this year. He's, he's so far off. So it, it's an interesting one. So the, the Dragons are seeking cap relief. Unfortunately, he does not um, uh, match the criteria for, for a player 
to get cap relief. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure it was Angus Crichton at the Roosters, who was an Australian New South Wales player um, seeking cap relief um, on mental illness grounds. And I don't think the NRL approved that either. So I, I'm not sure that's going to happen. I mean, if they can prove if they can prove that Cody Ramsey is not going to play for the rest of this year, and if there's you know if there's medical evidence that says you know that, you know he has a uh, you know, a forty percent chance of getting back on the field and being the player that that he was before his his illness, then maybe the NRL needs to make a stand here and say, "This is a completely like." How often would this happen in the game? Has it happened before? I'm uh, I'm I'm a little bit worried that the Dragons won't get the relief they want. But uh, I, I from memory, without looking at the article, um, which I did have up before, which is uh, Gornski's now, but um, I believe it's. The last line is, is the only thing stopping him from playing first grade rugby league is his illnesses, which were not connected to football. So I, I think if the NRL were going to, uh, you know, pick one player out of, out of all these different things that the clubs are going to the NRL for, for relief, I think this is a little bit different. I, I You know, and, and this is no disrespect to mental health or, or, you know, bipolar disease or anything like that, but. You know, you, you can come back and play football with bipolar disease. Can Cody Ramsey get back on the field with what's happened to him? Um, we'll we'll watch that space. But to me, I, I, I think if the NRL, for, for any different reason than, than the ones they've come up with, I think Cody Ramsey's health issues is one that the NRL really needs to look at. Uh, Frank Molo has pled guilty and will miss three weeks. Careless high tackle against the Titans on the weekend. Is it just me? or I, I could be wrong, but this bloke, he, he gets charged a lot, doesn't he? And I mean, on the field, that is. Uh, I mean, it, he's, you know, he, he's a good middle, but he seems to me like a bit of a liability as well. And they're the kind of players the Dragons, I thought, were trying to get away from. Guys that are now away from the club, Tarek Sims, Josh Maguire, guys like that. He seems to me to fall into that basket of, of guys that, um, you know, it, and it doesn't matter when, the, when these incidents happen on, in, in the game. They all contribute to a loss, so... Yep, we'll see what happens there. His teammate, Jaden Sewer, fined $1,800 but won't miss any games after taking an early guilty plea for a grade one dangerous contact offense, um, which obviously came from the game against the Titans as well. Lower grade results from the weekend. Josie Flegg had the buy. New South Wales Cup, Dragons 26, defeated the Bears 12 down at the uh, beautiful Collegians Complex in Wollongong. Women's New South Wales Cup, the Knights 34, defeated the Steelers. The Bears, 48 today. Number on St. George, no score. Uh, and before we do move on, we do have Teamless Tuesday for the Dragons, and, and we have to talk about this as well. And uh, a few fans upset. A few fans upset. The big one, obviously, with Ravalawa suffering a grade two hamstring strain. He's out for a couple of weeks. And obviously, as we touched on, uh, Molo out of the team as well. But the big one, which Dragons fans already seething, left confused, frustrated, uh, and some might even say a bit of Griffin 101. Tauto Moga comes in on the wing for Ravalawa. Musgrove has been recalled. Apparently had a big game in the weekend in the knock-on effect cup against the Bears. And Viliami Fafida makes his first appearance in the 22-man squad. He'll likely be cut in the next couple of days. It, it really is an interesting one. And I believe we've got a fan question here too. Like we said, we're going to try to throw these in where we can and this fan corner question comes from uh oh no, no that we'll go back to that a little bit later that's the wrong fan corner question that's actually from tim but we're throwing it at the wrong spot that's fine we'll play on uh, i believe the question comes a little bit later but it's uh it's uh, about fine and molo i mean 
uh, not Molo, uh, Fine and Ravalawa, and the fact that Mogart gets picked to return to the side uh, ahead of uh, Max Fine. Seriously? Like, I thought the Dragons were trying to move forward. It's a very defensive move from Anthony Griffin. And we, when we touch on the preview against the Raiders, we'll go into that in a little more detail. Curtis Woodward, episode 169 of the Red V podcast. Riding solo tonight, no Jack Clifton. He's still, of course, overseas. Uh, big Dino Messida from the Rugby League Roast. Big Dragons fan. He couldn't do the show tonight. Hope he's enjoying his time in Sydney with the family at the Easter show. Uh, as we continue along, we have a fan corner question from Tim. Does Ben Hunt need to stop putting public pressure on the club to keep Anthony Griffin? Will this create drama and speculation on Hunt's future when Griffin is inevitably let go? Well, I think the media are going to keep asking him questions on this and asking for his opinion as long as Ben Hunt keeps fronting the media. It's simple as that. Um, he does need to support the club, though, and the process that's that's going on. From reports on the NRL 360 show last night on Fox League, there's no out clause for Ben Hunt to leave the club if Griffin does go. So I would love to see Ben Hunt kind of sit on the fence a little bit here. He's not going anywhere. He's signed a contract. He signed a contract to play for the Dragons. It's You know, yeah, it helps if his mate's the coach. But, I mean, I think no matter what, speculation will begin with Ben Hunt if and when Griffin goes. That's, that's going to happen no matter what. So... I just hope, um, I just hope that that Ben Hunt starts thinking about his answers a little bit more, um, and and giving a little bit of hope to to the process, supporting the club a little bit in, instead of just going on and on and on about Anthony Griffin. That seems to be all we hear about from Ben Hunt. Yes, they keep asking about him, but the answer continues to be the same. It, it, it's like a one man PR team. So, anyway, we'll roll on. It's episode one six nine with Curtis Woodward, and before we do finish up news and updates. We'll do the who am I. No one to, to throw this against this week. So we'll give you some some uh, some hints uh, and then hopefully you can uh, let us know what your answer might be on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter, the Red V Podcast. And I believe too I have noticed as well um, on Podbean and, and you know there's a few loyal fans particularly to Jack and the Red V Podcast on Podbean who, who love a who am I question. So We'll hit you with a couple of these before we, we move on on episode 169. Uh, born in Auckland, I played for Canberra, the Dragons, and the Sydney club throughout my 11-year career. I was good on my feet, had a quick turn of speed, but played in the forwards, representing New Zealand on 13 occasions. I played in one charity shield for the Dragons and played two seasons for the club. I scored 22 tries in my NRL career, but just one for the Dragons. Um even I could get that one this week, I reckon. So there you go. So that's our Who Am I for this week. And next up will be our match review versus the Titans. It's episode 169. Curtis Woodward flying solo. You're listening to the Red V Podcast. Oh, dear. What's Titans 20, the Dragons 18 at Seabar Super Stadium on Sunday in front of 12,452 fans. It's another one that got away for the Dragons. After everything we talked about last week, the Dragons should be winning those games. Everyone knows that. I'm I'm not uh, recreating the wheel when I say that. They if they want to be responsible, uh, respected, and then they want to move to that next level, they should have beaten the Gold Coast Titans. Yeah, you can get be sucked into a game. We see it all the time. I mean, I touched on last week with with Dean Messida. I did say that this for the Dragons is a danger game because of the fact that the, the Titans went into the game 
without Kieran Foran and AJ Brimson. To me, that just made the Titans more dangerous in between the ends of the Dragons and, and maybe potentially a different um, offensive uh, outplay or outset from the from the Titans too. And look, they, they, you know, they got a tight game, but at the end of the day, just another game the Dragons lost. Uh, Jackie Clifton overseas, he tweeted after the loss. Uh, he responded directly to the Red V podcast. Pretty stock standard of the Dragons, to be honest. Typical performance after playing so well last week. If you want to do anything in this competition, you need to beat teams like the Titans, especially with a few out. Simply just not good enough. 53 missed tackles is atrocious. Jeez, that is a lot of missed tackles, isn't it? 53, if you don't mind. We're not talking late in the year and you got players out here, there, and left, right, and center. This is this is when, you know, you know, you say the whips are cracking, you wait into the year. The, the whips are cracking in NRL all season. The whips, are, it doesn't, doesn't end. 12 months a year, the whips are cracking. So when you show up and you miss 53 tackles against the Gold Coast Titans, you probably deserve to lose anyway. Um, and we'll get to Zach Lomax's goal kicking a little bit later too. Uh, Richard Cohen, another friend of the Red V podcast, he replied to Jack, 53 missed tackles, five penalties given to them coming out of their own 20. That's the Titans. Fell asleep on a short dropout and a short kickoff. Clearly the team has a huge attitude problem. Well, it was the same old Dragons, but I will give them this. I, I, I think in previous years, it was an attitude problem. I think this year, with the same mistakes, I don't think it's an attitude problem. I, I, I think it's still a team that that is more confident in what they're doing, but they're just not getting it right. And young teams like that will make mistakes. And I think it's more of a concentration problem, but in a positive light, if, if that makes sense. Um, in, in other years, you, you'd, you'd sit here and look at the Dragons and say, yep, yeah, you know, all these things, it's brain snaps and, you know, different plays, but the, the, they have shed most of those plays that used to make them as th- those mistakes. So, I mean, there's, if you think about it, and, and look, this is not a, a Griffin kickathon because we've, we've barely spoken about Anthony Griffin so far on episode 169 of the Red V podcast, but one of the main outliers, one of the blokes that are still there is the coach, Anthony Griffin. So that for years we've been talking about Dragons get themselves into games or winning positions, uh, whether it be the 35th minute, 55th minute, or the 80th minute, and they find ways to lose. So whose fault is it? Is it the bloke that's been here the whole time throughout the whole journey? Or um, we'll leave that with you. That's a question for uh, for for someone else that uh, you know that might know a bit more about the game than, than myself. But I also asked Dean Messeter from the Rugby League Roast. Um, after he, he could, told me he couldn't do the show this week, uh, just for a really quick review, he said, a good battle. Uh, Jacob Little used for 29 minutes, then only brought back on for the last five. Wasted brilliant individual work from... Uh, oh, sorry, brilliant individual work from Hunt to give us a lead. Failed to close out a slender lead. No real standouts except for Ben Hunt and Ravalawa, who also had a good game. Yeah, um, if that's true, I, I need to have a look at that. And if, if someone wants to correct me or Dino on that one, I'll have to go back and have a look. But Jacob Little for 29 minutes, and then he brought back on for the last five. Let me just see if I've still got this up. Um, it's hard when you only do it, uh, doing the podcast by yourself. But we might bring that up later. I might leave that to you guys out there in Dragon's Land. Is that correct? Did Jacob Little only get 29 minutes to start the game and then got brought on for the last five? Surely not. That, that can't be true. Um, I hope Dean's wrong there. Because Jacob Little is the best thing going for the Dragons, along with Tyrrell Sloan. At the moment, obviously, the team is far improved from where they've been in the past. 
Molo Sinbin in the third minute of the game. It's just these little things, these little moments the Dragons can't get right. Shooting themselves in the foot over and over again. Uh, Lomax goal kicking under scrutiny. Like I said, I think there's a fan question coming up. Uh, so we'll leave that one. Uh, but I think a, a fan last week also brought it up too and said, hey, look, Lomax is going to lose us a big game. Did he lose the tight? Did he lose the Dragons game on the weekend? I mean, if he kicks the goal at the end, Dragons go up by six. That's fact. Uh, little, little's playing minutes again, just frustrating for me. The Dragons need to play Jacob Little for eighty minutes now. He's they got no choice. He's an eighty-minute player right now. In, in purely the sense of importance to a team, and I'm only talking about dummy halves here. Jacob Little, and I, and, and I hope people understand this, I'm not saying that Jacob Little is better than Harry Grant. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is Jacob Little is as important to the Dragons and their middle third than Harry Grant is to the Storm. Uh, yes, he's been plagued by injuries in, in his previous life at West Tigers, but they kept him around because the talent was always there. They kept him longer than they should have. Um, and those injuries weren't his fault. He, he was just bloody unlucky for, for a long time. Uh, the West Tigers and had Coruscant. They, they spent overs to get him, so they knew it was better for Little to to find more footy elsewhere. And that's why they, you know, they they let him go and said, "Good luck, buddy. We we hope you go well." They're, you know, there, there's some people at West Tigers that keep an eye on him and, and want him to do well and speak about him openly. Um, I think he's proven his fitness and his ability to play first grade for longer minutes now too. I, I, you know, maybe I, I could kind of see at the start of the year they were trying to get him into the team and wrap him in cotton wool and say, right, let's see how he goes. But I think we're at the point now where he needs to stay on the field for as long as he can. Um, like I said, I, I could live with um, Jacob Little being rotated and looked after, but the strategy behind the bench rotation so far from the Dragons this year has been questionable and frustrating. It, if you can't get it right and have him out there for the most important parts of the game, just leave him out there and take the decision away from yourself as a coaching staff. You're getting it wrong with his rotations and you're taking him off the field when you need him, which is for the entire 80 minutes. So take the decision off yourself and just let him play. Let him play. Um, Dalian points from the weekend. This just shows, um, obviously, we don't know who the Dalian judge, uh, judges are anymore. And it's a new system too. So um, you can have upwards of six or five points or whatever it is. Uh, Dalian points. Phil Sammy got five points. Um, I think he ran for over 200 metres. Looked like a bloody superstar on the weekend. That's uh, that's how good the Dragons made him look. But Benny Hunt also got five points. And one other point went to Jaden Campbell, one of the guys I spoke about last week on the Red V podcast. And uh, again, back to our our amazing Red V co-host this week. That is you, the listeners out there. Fan questions from Dylan. Any chance of getting a better goal kicker than Lomax? Inconsistent at best. Yeah, I think the frustration is growing in Dragons fans, and this question keeps popping up. Goal kicking is a uh, pretty major part of the game these days, and with the competition so close, why shouldn't the Dragons chase someone else that can kick goals consistently in the crunch? Because he hasn't proved he can do it. Um, you know, you look at Nathan Cleary. Yeah, and, and look, some people, if you follow me on Twitter, some people will say I've got an agenda against Cleary. I just think in the origin level, Nathan Cleary is not as good as what everyone says. Um, but when you look at his kicking, his kicking alone wins NRL games. 
if and when when the, the Blues do win their first game of the series or whatever, and, and who knows what happens in the last two games, we probably fold over and die again. But clearly probably gets man of the match from his kicking. That, that's just the way it is. You know, the the big players in our game seem to get more spotlight for the, the minor things that are expected of our players that would not get the, the, the spotlight they would have 20 years ago. But Lomax might keep his job as a center at the Dragons Club purely if he continues to improve and becomes the center that Dragons fans want him to be. The, the, the only problem with that, the twofold of that is, if he's not the goal kicker anymore, then then one of his mates are going to have to leave the club. So his goal kicking now might cost one of his mates that are there now a job in the future because the Dragons might have to go to market and find someone else with a like-for-like skill set as his said mate and replace him with a new bloke because he can kick goals at 85%. That's, I know it sounds weird, and and you know, that, but there you go. They might have to go out and and find someone that can kick some goals. And if it's not Lomax, then he might have cost his mate a job. Episode one six nine of the Red V Podcast. You're with Curtis Woodward. If you'd like to follow us on social media, you know where to go: Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter. Jack Clifton has done an amazing job. He'll be back in a couple of weeks. Back in the chair. As I said, a little bit different this week, sitting here all by myself doing episode 169, but hopefully you guys out there are trying to enjoy the show. I know it's a little bit different talking about your dragons, but we are getting through it, and hopefully you guys can engage uh, as we go along. It is time for round seven match preview this week, and it's against the Raiders. 16th place, Canberra against the Dragons, currently sitting in 12th. I think last week the Raiders, they're coming off a very gutsy win over the Broncos at Suncorp, but I... I'm not sure the Broncos played that well. I I know that, you know, they they threw the ball around and, and, you know, they made some breaks and all that kind of stuff. And look, you know, they played at, at times as well as the Raiders let them play. But I think they never got out of third gear. Uh, I, I think there was a, a, a bit of scandal at the end of the game too with the Jordan Rapana thing. At the time, I actually think if it wasn't a, a try to the Broncos, um, he was left injured on the ground. At least it was a knock-on because there was no foul play involved. Somehow the referee, Grant Atkins, um, I think he said careless manner um, because Martin Torpau was running a million miles an hour down the field and at the last second he was supposed to disappear. I, I, I hate saying the word disappear because I know some out there will say, well, you know, that's that you know, Torpau has, has a job to do, but please. Uh, it was an accident. The, the Broncos should have had another chance, but who says camera doesn't defend there? But what I am saying is... It was tight. It was a tough game of footy, but I felt like the Raiders, that they spent a lot more energy on the weekend and uh, over the Dragons, who should be should be dirty and, and um, hurting after that game. I think emotionally, I think the Raiders might be a bit drained. And the, uh, the Dragons losing doesn't help Ricky Stewart's side. Uh, I'm not sold on the Raiders. I don't think anyone is. I think that's, you know, and, and I think in the COVID era particularly, I, I just think we're, we're just used to the bottom teams wilting and getting pumped and, and losing games at the back end. I think because the NRL is so much closer now is that, that, you know, the Broncos were up for a loss. This is NRL 2023. We're back to how the game should be, and you can get beaten on any given day. And I think the Raiders were really up for that game. Uh, it's been much has been talked about the Raiders and their, their match review and how they sat down and let the, the senior players call out different things from other players in, in the crew. Ricky Stewart had nothing to do with the match review. I think that was a great play from Ricky Stewart. I think he cops a bad rap sometimes, and I think some of it's well-deserved. But I think so much went into that game last week. They go back to Canberra. 
they go back to Bruce Stadium, and I think the Dragons, I think the Dragons can get, they got the attack. I, th- I just think they've got the attack. Um, but we'll see what happens. Some big ins for the Canberra Raiders. Jack Whiten is back. Um, Joseph Tapene is back. Kotrick replaces Rapana. So the, the Raiders, on paper, look as good as they did last week. Um, I, I think we'll see a bit of chess early in this game. I think these two sides probably think that they can get the better of the other. I think they they could both thinking this week at training, this is a game that we can both win. I think there'll be a big filling out period the, the first 20, 25 minutes. I think the Raiders, is a, the pack is still a very good one. I think the game, like you know, most games are, are won at the back end of both halves. It's on the Dragons to be better. Just be better. Look at what you did on Sunday and fix those things where you went wrong. If you fix those things, you beat Canberra on Sunday. It's as simple as that. And like I said before, the Dragons, they make mistakes in games, but the games where they do win, it's because they're not... I think they believe in what they're doing in attack, but I think they get lost sometimes as well. So I think the Raiders were given plenty of chances to make mistakes because the Raiders will make their own. I think it'll be an exciting game of football, but not a... Uh, a Catches catch can legend, you know the legends will be out there saying this is a classic game of rugby league. I think it will be exciting. Um, so we'll see what happens Sunday. A lot of people talking about Amon and the five eight role as well. I um I, I do understand Amon getting another shot this week at six, but he's also now got Sullivan in the New South Wales Cup really pushing him. This is a big week for Amon. I I I didn't see how Sullivan went on the weekend in reserve grade, but I, un- I understand he, he scored a try, kicked a couple of goals. Four try assists against North Sydney. I think I think this weekend it would be very, very savvy of the Dragons or Griffin or someone at the club in the coaching position to give him a little nudge or maybe even just leave Sullivan's stats in his locker room from the weekend and say, hey, mate, uh, without even having to say it to his face, make him quite acutely aware that Sullivan is very close to coming back into this team. Because that's what we wanted from Sullivan. I think I said it last week or the week before on the Red V podcast that Sullivan needs to go back and kill him. And he did. He went back to New South Wales Cup and he looked far better than most of the players on the field. He had a great game. He looked like a first grader. And that's what you wanted to see. So I think this week, someone at the Dragons needs to make it very clear to Amon that this is a week for him to perform and keep his spot. Otherwise, there'll be repercussions because there's nothing wrong with, with competition for spots. That's what the Dragons are trying to create. Um, the the Raiders' spine, to me, isn't very strong. Uh, I know Jack Whiten's back this week, but he hasn't played for a while. Sebastian Christian, fullback. Um, I think even in commentary the other the other night on Fox Lake, someone said that, that Chris hasn't played much football throughout his career. He's a stopgap position for him. Um, so I think he'll be targeted by the, the Dragons. Fogarty at seven, he's a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a good halfback. He's not a star. And uh, Wolford at nine and, and Starling off the bench. I think that's where the Dragons can win the game. I, I, I just think some some little moments in the game could be the difference. Expecting another close game for the Dragons. I think they'll learn from last week. They have to learn from last week. And I think the Dragons win 28 points to 20. I actually wrote 28 nil here on my run sheet. But 28-20, it should be a close game. Some hair to be pulled out for Dragons fans again this weekend. But I think you get the two competition points. Uh, fan question from Ben. What possible reasoning could there be to select Moga ahead of Max Fina? I'm literally stunned. Can you boys think of a reason why the coaching staff would select Moga over a younger, faster back who scored two tries in his last outing in New South Wales Cup? Ben, I've got no idea. Uh, Fina 
isn't just the future. He's he's a now player. Uh, and he's what the club needs and the fans want. Moga is a defensive move, um, but we seem to get that uh, a fair, fair amount of the time from Anthony Griffin. And it does stand out like dog balls when the fans and the media are analysing everything the Dragons do with a magnifying glass. Uh, much more upside picking Fine this weekend and into the future. Um, but seriously, uh, I don't know what they're doing. I, I don't. Um, but anyway, before we move on, let's um, do our who are my question for this week. And if you haven't got it already, it, it seems like a simple one. I actually forgot that he played for the Dragons. Um, and he was obviously, a, he played, like I said, for the Raiders and the Sydney Club. That was the West Tigers. Um, but the answer this week for the Who Am I question on episode 168, oh, 169, sorry, of the Red V podcast. And it's Bronson Harrison. So there you go. Bronson Harrison played a couple of seasons at the Dragons. One try in his two seasons at the club. Bronson Harrison. Um, actually, while we're at it too, I've just thought of this as well. To get, you know, I guess, throw another spanner in the works as well. If anyone out there has a Who Am I question for next week, and, and, and I'm happy to do this, and, and I might get trouble from Jackie when he gets back, but that's okay. If, if someone out there has a who am I question, um, obviously I'll know the answer to it, but if, if a fan out there that listens to the Red V podcast has a who am I question, send it in, inbox us on, on Facebook or Instagram or on the Twitter page, and if you've got a good one and you've got some sneaky questions and um, you think you can stump your fellow Dragons fans, by all means, send them in, and if, if there is a good one for next week, We'll read it out as the fan who are my question for next week in uh, replacing my one. Because uh, well, to be fair, to be completely honest, before I came on the Red V podcast at the back end of last year, I, I didn't listen to too many episodes. So I don't know if I'm doubling up with these who are my questions. But nonetheless, let's uh, let's move on with the Red V podcast. It's episode 169 with Curtis Woodward. We are coming to an end. Unfortunately, it feels like it's a little bit shorter than normal, but I do love the, the sound of my own voice, but it's just it's a little bit weird, but we are getting there. We're getting there. Fan corner questions for this week. Uh, we have been doing them through the episode, but a, a couple more here to finish episode 169. This one comes from Superfly. Uh, it's well publicized that the problems run deeper than the coach. Will a new coach have any impact if the St. George and Illawarra factions can't work together and push in the same direction? That's a good question, Superfly. Uh, loved your work in the, the 1980s at the uh, Madison Square Garden with uh, Vince McMahon's WWF, mate. Uh, my answer to that, I, I think it will it will help if the uh, the new coach, and I say new coach, but let, let's just assume there's a new coach coming in. I think it will help if the uh, the new coach sorts everything out from top to bottom, and they start winning, and not just winning, but there's some stability in the juniors and the different factions. Um, the factions, I think, will rest a little bit easier at night. Um, hopefully, if the future is stabilised, I think the, the the factions won't have much to fight about, if that makes sense. So, yeah, winning winning solves everything, but it doesn't as well. I mean, that's an easy cop-out for clubs to say, yeah, yeah we've got some dramas, but if the team wins on the field, then we're all right. I think it just it just glazes over cracks. It, it doesn't, doesn't solve long-term. It just keeps blokes in positions in, in front office longer and coaches. That, that's all it does. So if you truly want to change a club, yep, get the team winning on the field and get everything else sorted off the field. Get your shit together. 
from top to bottom. Factions from both divisions, um, both districts. Get your juniors right. Get your pathways right. Get your marketing, your membership. Get everything going. And if you're winning as well, then you've got a good bloody club. So last question of the night on the Red V podcast. This comes from Jonty. Should we replace Bert, uh, Ben Murdoch Masilla? Who would you pick in his position? In my opinion, I would have Couchman and Bird sharing the role. Prefer Bird permanently, but he he said he wants to play mainly 13. Hope for feeder later in the season gets a shot at it. I would move Ben Murdoch Masilla to bench or drop him entirely. I, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I was impressed by uh, Murdoch Masilla to start the year on the edge. Um, even though I did say in preseason, the Dragons needed to think a 1-17 to game with their middle forwards. And I'm not talking about Little. I'm not talking about Moses and by I'm talking about their big boys. I thought the Dragons would get more punch with Murdoch Matilla coming off the bench because he can play second row. He can play through the middle and give you um, some energy through the middle, some intimidation. Um, so, look, I wouldn't drop him entirely. If if worse comes to worse, he's still in your best 17 and should be in there somewhere. I did like some of the work he did um, in transition play and, and change the direction at the start of the year, particularly Charity Shield uh, against South Sydney with, with Little and Ben Hunt, which open up the other side of the field. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't be dropping him completely. That, that would be a complete waste to me because he can offer different roles in the team. He, he doesn't have to be that you know that, that big guy that can you know play out in front of him and offload and stuff like that. He can also play through the guts and, uh, and take an advantage to the middle of the field too. So we'll see what happens there. But uh, yeah, definitely wouldn't be dropping him completely from the 17. But I guess it all comes down to this weekend against Canberra. And a rugby le- a, a week is a, a long time in rugby league. And who knows what we'll be talking about on episode 170 of the Red V podcast. Hopefully, we've got a co-host back with me next week. I, I hope you guys have been patient with me tonight. Um, it's uh, we, we did our best to get a couple of different people on. But uh, at late notice, it just couldn't be done. But we got through. The episode is out. We hope you enjoyed it. My name has been Curtis Woodward. We'll be back next week. And don't forget, don't forget, like I said, we're going to do next week a fan who am I. So if you've got a good one that you think can stump everyone, I don't even care if you want to go back to 1921 with the St. George Dragons. Uh, if you want to go back to some obscure player from the Steelers in the mid-80s, whatever think you, whatever you think can, can stump us, because there will be two hosts in the chair next week, by all means, please get it in. Slide into our DMs. The Red V Podcast, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. My name's Curtis Woodward, but in the words of the great Jack Clifton, let's go those mighty dragons. Sports Social Podcast Network.